This is Matt. And this is Tony. And this is What Did We Miss? The podcast where we explore our pop culture blind spots one episode at a time. Hey. Hey. Yep. I, I think we should try to emulate that every every time we start an episode. Yeah. And going it'll just, forward. It'll just keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And, and longer and lo- until it's just the whole episode. Yeah. Hey. That almost sounded like a, hey, Davey. Did you, uh, ever, did you watch that when you were a kid? Uh, I did not. Yeah. I did not. Uh, I did. It's super religious, but I don't really remember any of that. I just remember being like stop motion. Mm-hmm. Um, D- David and, wait. Davy and Goliath, right? Davy and Goliath, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. You know, I, I was familiar enough to know um, there's uh, that Mr. Show sketch where, or David talks about uh, meeting a talking junkie, and every, and Bob's like, "There's no such thing as a talking junkie." And like, there's some drug addict in an alley who talks like the dog. But I was watching that at a friend's house, and his mom walked through, and she's like, "That's terrible. That is, that's <laughs> not funny." I mean, it's probably not. <laughs> it's a little mean. <laughs> I'm sure it was very funny. Wonder Woman, 1984 premiered in theaters and on hbo on christmas day and i knew it was a movie that what meg had some interest in so we didn't get around to watching it on christmas we chose to watch uh soul by the new pixar movie instead yeah and it was around the holidays and i wasn't really looking at social media or twitter too much but i checked in just like once or twice and the timeline, my Twitter timeline was just apoplectic, just losing their minds about how awful this movie was. And it just seemed that's all anyone was talking about was how terrible this fucking movie was. And we didn't end up watching it until a few days later. It was hard going into a movie with that sort of weighted expectations on, on top of it. Like it's hard to have any kind of normal reaction when so many people are so angry about it. Right. And, you know, I think the backlash of uh, Wonder Woman 84 turned out to be the, um, I think, the defining news topic of January 2021. It's it's still all (laughs) anyone's talking about. Even the president's kids are hashtag 1984. So, I mean, it's, it's gotten up everybody's skirt, you know? It really is. I mean... Um, I believe that's what um, the insurrection was all about. It's just the the, the anger and vitriol for <laughs> Sorry, Patty Jenkins and <laughs> unleashing this on the world. Oh God! I'm just talking about expectations mostly because obviously, like that went away so quickly. Like it was just like just the topic. I was like, oh, well, how can I have a reaction to this? Yeah, because people were so vociferously passionate about their opinions about it. Um, and then a week later, it's just almost like gone, <laughs> like gone completely. And it's like, right. obviously there's bigger concerns in the world, um, as, as you alluded to. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it, I, you know, it's just, I mainly wanted to just kind of talk about that in general about expectations. Like sometimes it's hard to have y- your own reaction to something when there's so much weight put behind other people's reactions. Yeah, sure. Um, uh, you know, there uh, that uh, long in development um, cyberpunk cyberpunk twenty seventy seven finally came out after numerous delays, years of hype. Um, 
some real some crummy pre-release um attention around the way it sort of portrays um transgender people in the game anyway it all finally came out and then like on top of like whatever sort of like edgelord buzz was going beforehand and like issues with crunch the game was a like a technical mess like like uh you know, uh, we're sort of in this in-between space with a PlayStation 4 and a PlayStation 5 and the Xbox equivalents, and it just runs like trash on the older systems, which it had been in development for for years. They just released a statement saying like, oh, well, you know, older generations and kind of poo-pooing the older systems when they had been working on it for eight years. So that really doesn't feel like a good excuse. Yeah, I mean, I kind of stopped following what was going on just because... You know, it was this, you know, not dissimilar to Wonder Woman in this instance, something I had, you know, sort of been keeping my eye on and looking forward to. And then, you know, it was just such a fucking dud on arrival that like, you know, I don't, I'm, I have a PlayStation 4. I'm not going to upgrade anytime soon. I'm, I'm not going to, you know, grind through a, a, just a, a buggy mess to satisfy my curiosity. I know you were interested in it, too, because we've talked about it because we specifically covered Neuromancer on our show because we thought it was going to be coming out around the same time as Cyberpunk um, 2077. So I, I know that you had interest in the game. <laughs> so it's kind of funny that like now it's just like, oh, whatever, like what what can you do? And obviously that has to do with a lot of technical problems with the game. And even if they release some patches and whatnot, but P- PlayStation pulled it from their digital stores completely so you couldn't purchase it digitally if you wanted to yeah i got nothing else to say about it (laughs) (laughs) well i mean i'm talking about expectations because today we are talking about hades this game that came out in 2020 or did it did it come out in steam well in 2019 the end of 2019 the end of 2018 uh it was in Early access. It was in early access for almost two years. Okay, then maybe you can answer this question. Why did it gain so much popularity at the end of last year? Is it primarily because it popped up on the Switch? Uh, I think that was the official release of the final product. So the idea. So is it something that they were working on? The idea of it, yeah. And then improving upon it? Yeah, the idea of it being released in early access was to sort of uh, facilitate this dialogue between. Uh, a gaming community and the developers so they could really refine things as they go. It's not uh, unusual for this kind of stuff to happen. But yeah, I mean, it really, until it was actually uh, properly, you know, the final f- refined version was released in the fall, um, I had completely missed it. But, you know, people who had been playing it since it was released in early access, I think first on the Epic store and then uh steam after that you know people were pretty excited about it and the developer super giant games has a pretty uh dedicated fan base and a a reputation for um you know especially the presentation of their games they tend to have a really um great visual aesthetic Uh, sound design is you know really um uh, given a lot of weight um the music and voice acting tends to be really good in these games. Yeah, so it, it sort of emerged with a lot of momentum behind it. And then, yeah, yeah, I mean, people 
responded really well to it. Were you familiar with super giant games before Hades? Yeah. So I had sort of been aware of uh, their three games prior were Bastion, Transistor, and Pyre. And uh, Bastion and Trans- uh, Transistor are on the Switch. So, you know, every time I'd see them on sale, I'd sort of waffle between picking one up just uh, knowing their reputation. I actually did not end up getting either until after Hades. I have been playing through uh, Transistor a bit. But, uh, you know, I think when Hades dropped on the Switch, there were a lot of things going for it. Um, As I mentioned, the aesthetic looked really cool. It kind of uh, had, you know, the kind of gameplay that I was sort of excited about in something like Diablo, but because it's not an online game, it's sort of a closed loop. And there's a lot of like stuff with a game like Diablo or Destiny um, where it becomes, uh, you know, even as much as Hades can become an obsession, I mean, those types of games become like, uh, you know, a full-on hobby into them onto themselves. Uh, yeah. So I just kind of picked it up on a whim and, uh, yeah, really, really kind of fell for it, especially once you get the hang of it. It's, it's got a, it's got a a bit of a steep learning curve, but it's not, um, you know, I don't know that it's, it's, it's not difficult in a way that's frustrating, but that was just my experience with it. I started playing this before we decided to do an episode about it. Why are we doing an episode about it? You were sending me like all caps texts saying Hades and exclamation point and just one exclamation point because you're not overzealous or anything like that. You're not one of those multi exclamation point type of people. Uh, And my brother was really, really big on it. And there was all this talk circulating about how this is one of the best games of the year. So I figured I'd I'd give it a go. And once I kind of decided, once I pulled the the trigger and, and purchased the game, you and my brother were like, yeah, yeah, and you were so excited. I was like, this seems like something we should talk about on the show because, um, again, like, uh, I don't typically play games like these. The other games that you reference, um, Diablo, and what was the other one? I mentioned Destiny, which is, uh, you know, that's really apples to oranges, but, like, what Destiny and Diablo have in common is a lot of, um, you know, because it's online, there's a lot of end games. So after you beat the story or the campaign, there are um, all these quests and missions that you can do. Um, and, uh, you know, they both have like seasons where there'll be new content and loot and that kind of stuff. Um, that's really the only similarity between the two. Um, Destiny's a first person shooter. Beyond that, I was unfamiliar with the term roguelite. Uh, or roguelike, uh, those two I was confused with for a while, and I had to kind of look it up. Um, I, Hades is roguelite, correct? I believe so, yeah. I think, I think uh, you know, if you get into the weeds with a certain type of gamer, there might be some debate, but um, yeah, I, for our conversation's purposes, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> sure. Well, I'm, you know, I'm, like I said, I am, I was not hesitant, but like, this isn't probably something I was familiar with or because as we've discussed on the show, I'm not the biggest video game person. Like I play a a handful of games a year and that's kind of satisfies me. And obviously what we cover for the show um, is always, we're trying to kind of broaden our perspective on whatever genre or medium we're covering. So 
it kind of felt like something that would be fun to talk about because you were so over the moon about it, or at least it seemed like you were. And it was something that was so unfamiliar to to me. And that's like our show. Um, so I pitched it to you and you, I, I believe you were pretty on, on board right away. Like, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Because it just felt like you had already put in the, the work. Uh, <laughs> You're right. right. Uh, and, then I, and then I had to put in the work at that point. Um, but going back to the top of the show, like, there were those expectations that this needs to be like the greatest thing ever. And starting off, I was just like, what the fuck guys? Like, what is this game? Like, this is just like the same thing over and over again. And I was really frustrated. Um, and, and I, and I probably relayed that to you with, um, we were texting back and forth. And I think we mentioned this, um, in our prior episode, but we communicated about this, topic more than probably any other topic uh, in the history of the show. Yeah, I, I think uh, I expected you to maybe struggle with this at the beginning. And I could tell by our text exchanges that you were starting to hit, like you're starting to come up against the wall and like there was no getting over it. Um, and I knew, I knew that if, if you checked off a couple of boxes in terms of progression and sort of maybe getting your head around how some of the systems work. Like I knew those were humps you needed to get over to be able to like really decide if you didn't like it or not. Cause I, I felt like you were still sort of stuck in those early stumbling blocks. Um, am I correct in that or, or am I, am I just desperate here? <laughs> <sighs> Fine. You win. I love this game, Tony. Yes, I knew it. You did kind of help me because there was a barrier at first and like I didn't really care about what was happening in the story really up front because it was repetitive. It was just like, okay, I'm going to keep dying. Well, well, well before, before I get into that, we might as well just kind of briefly talk about what the story is. You play as uh, Zagreus, which is the son of Hades and you're essentially trying to escape the underworld. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the gist of the whole game. Um but what's interesting about it is that when you die, you start off at the beginning and you, I guess, upgrade a little bit. You know, you gain a little bit of knowledge, you gain a little bit of access to weapons and et cetera, et cetera, and, um, and more story as you keep repeatedly trying to escape the underworld and you repeatedly keep dying. And you die a lot. You have to die a lot. Yeah. Uh, and you had mentioned that right at the top. Um, and I even, I was messaging my brother uh, in the early going and he ex- he explained it to me that oh it's essentially like an old fashioned arcade game except for each time you die, you know you don't have to put it in another quarter and you kind of gain a little bit of stuff, and that made a lot of sense to me. I don't know when it finally started clicking. I guess it was the point where it was just like I was playing multiple times a day, mm-hmm. um, so there was just this point where it's just like I'd play once and because I'm not like a big um, as previously discussed on the show. I don't typically play many hours of video games a day or even a week. Sometimes like when I play video games, it's like handful of times a week, usually an hour at the most, hour and a half. Usually when Meg is watching The Bachelor or The Bachelorette. But I did find myself playing this game a couple of times a day uh, at a certain point just so I could get get some more progression and and uh, access more things and get more story. Yeah, I had a problem. <laughs> I, uh, I, um, 
Uh, I mean, it's easily the the game I've played the most since I've had a Switch, and I think I, I mean, it became that within a couple of weeks. And I, I mean, I've had a, a Switch for a number of years now. Um, I was playing a lot. Uh, it's very the the gameplay is very addicting. That that cycle of death and repetition is so like. Uh, so let's back up a little bit again before we we keep kind of like kind of lurching forward here um i mentioned earlier that the developer supergiant had a reputation for um solid visuals uh a great design really like top-notch sound but they were they're also um were really known for uh the writing and the narrative um and what they said was with like um you know this is a, a deviation from their previous games which were fairly linear and with their last one, they had a lot of branching story paths, but they, they sort of realized after the fact that people were rarely playing through it more than once. So then we have uh, this roguelike genre, which the, the idea is that the, the game is a procedurally generated. So each time you play through the game, uh, you play through a series of rooms in Hades, and then there are four like levels of the underworld to fight through or the, you know, uh, and, but each time you play through, um, those chambers and rooms that you fight through are never the same. So you're never going to have the same string of rooms twice. Uh, you're never going to encounter the same bad guys in the same order. So, and that's part of it too. That's sort of that random element. And then of course dying and there being, um, upgrades that are, uh, active while you're playing through a run and then upgrades that are permanent. Uh, in this case you have, um, you collect darkness and you can sort of, uh, beef up certain attributes or give yourself extra lives to have while you're playing through. So how this all comes together is you have this branching narrative that takes advantage of the sort of, um, soap opera dynamic of the Greek pantheon of gods um, with this sort of built-in mechanic where where death is a part of it and having to start over and each time sort of getting not just a little bit further but a little bit more of the story as you go. I think that's really what sort of I, I think a lot of people are very excited about when they're talking about this game is because it really does have something for everybody. The, the gameplay is super twitchy and addictive and the story if you if you want to engage with it is there and is really uh really well done and oftentimes quite funny uh, and all like fully voice acted as well. The, the, um, the dialogue is, is really, you know, the, the way they sort of get the personality of all the different gods is, is really, it's really clever and really fun. So I think there's, there are, um, you know, the, in, uh, Polygon named it their game of the year and the writer, uh, Maddie Myers, you know, s- described it as the rare, game that has something for everyone it really has a lot of a lot of plates spinning at once and and doesn't manage to drop any of them i think there's also something to be said and and you know i'm not the first person to say this i think a lot of reviews had kind of talked about this as well but it became popular in a year where we are forced to essentially be stuck at home and and repeat the same things and over and over and feels like you're kind of stuck in this rut and, and in a loop and in a pattern and you know, the game definitely thematically plays into that. So there's a sense of just like, I am trying to escape this. And, um, you know, 
that idea isn't lost on me mm-hmm. <laughs> while playing it. And even in the early going, when I was kind of frustrated with it, I was like, oh, this is clever. This is very clever how it's it's kind of built into the mechanics of the game, the story. Um, just that notion of repeatedly dying and, and making the whole thing a competition, but how you're kind of meeting other gods throughout and, and they're telling you their backstory, but also backstory of the underworld and of Olympus. Uh, and, and, make, and making fun of your dad. <laughs> and making fun of your dad, yeah. Um, it was all very clever right from the get-go. And even the way that when you start interacting with a character, a lot of video games, especially RPGs, when you talk to a character, once you get enough information from the character, when you talk to them again, they just repeat it. But this game doesn't do that at all. Once you're done talking to a character, you can't really talk to them again. Right. Um, there's no option to. So you know that once that's once you learn that, it's just instinctively like, I'm only going to the talk to this person. Once that's done, then I can go talk to this other character. Yeah, they and they, they and they telegraph it pretty uh, nicely too. I mean, there are, uh, you know, if someone has a, a word bubble with an exclamation point, you know, they've got a new thing to talk about if they've got like a if the word bubble has like you know excited zigzaggy outline you know like they have something really meaty to tell you about but even that said the the just the i mean i i my my switch is telling me i've logged 95 hours um and (laughs) and just i mean think about that the sheer volume of dialogue options not to mention the random element. And then, you know, there are a lot of narrative elements that, you know, kind of like work as like side stories that kind of weave in and out. And then those are only triggered in a certain sequence. So you have to, you know, and it never tells you what the thing is. You just kind of happen upon the thing. And then someone will be back in the, you know, the the hub uh, suddenly with something new to say. And then you know, four, five, six runs later, you might run into the next person you have to talk to in that chain. It really spreads it all around nicely. So even once you sort of, you know, roll credits on the game, which takes not just one, but I think it's 10 escapes from hell before, you know, credits roll and like you get into the end game portion. I mean, I'm, I'm still, I, I, so I just now, before we started recording, like I said, I'm almost a hundred hours in and I just uh, got like, the password to unlock last upgrade for the last weapon I have. So, I mean, there's still <laughs> still stuff to find and discover. And, um, you know, they leave you little breadcrumbs too. So, you know, like, oh, there's something, there's something there. There's something there's supposed to be another thing on this list. So I just got to keep playing till I find it. I've never been the type of video game player that's also felt the need to 100% complete everything. And I do think this game does a good job of saying like, hey, these things are here if you're interested, but it's not obligatory in order to enjoy the game. Mm -hmm. Like you could just play through and try to do the escaping without necessarily having to accomplish every little detail. But like you said, once you escape those 10 times and roll credits, there's still a bunch of other things that keep it kind of interesting. But the game itself is just repetitive. So once you get into that rhythm, it's still addictive, even if you're not unlocking things. You're still like, oh, I'm going to go in and try different weapons. I'm going to try different sort of boons, which we haven't talked about. Um, 
and essentially, as you're trying to escape, you're meeting up with other gods um, who all have a grudge against Hades, essentially, and they're trying to help you out. Um, and so they give you these things they call boons, which are basically upgrades on your weapons and on your abilities. Um, and so, you know, certain boons, uh, certain combinations do certain things. And, and so after a while, it's fun to try different upgrades. Like, oh, well, I'm going to try this weapon because ultimately there are six different weapons, I believe, right? Yeah, there are so, yeah, so there are six, there are six different weapons. And then of the weapons, there are these things called aspects, which are sort of different uh, mods on each weapon. So I think there's four, four aspects for every weapon. Four, yeah, I think so. So essentially, so consider then like there's 26 weapons, uh, 24 weapons altogether. And then on top of that, there are uh, nine, nine gods. Yeah. Nine gods. Nine gods who- that, that help you. Yeah, and they they give you those boons that are all sort of thematically based. On, so like Zeus is going to give you lightning boons, and um, mm-hmm. Aphrodite is going to give you boons that uh, have you know, you know, make your opponents weak. I th- and I think she can even like get them to sort of temporarily fight for you. Um, you know, taking you know uh, using the theme of love there. So the the sort of combinations for how you can configure y- you know your your loadout um, is huge and then there's all kinds of other little like summon summoning bonuses uh, power-ups you can get um little artifacts that can sort of dictate help steer you towards certain gods sooner uh things that give you health buffs stuff that uh, give you an extra life and uh the the darkness that i mentioned earlier that you collect for your permanent upgrades um even then there is uh sort of two tiers of upgrades you can do. So like this, the the sheer volume of combinations is pretty staggering. And, um, you know, I do find myself typically settling into, uh, favorites pretty quickly. Um, still, Still? yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, why is that just because it's worked for you? Yeah. I think just cause it works. Um, it, uh, you know, you get to a point where, you want to continue to clear, you know, you want to keep escaping, obviously. So, you know, when you find something that works, it's hard to argue with that. It's true. Yeah. The biggest thing that I felt opened up the game for me that helped the most was when you have your darkness to upgrade your permanent upgrades, uh, unlocking the ability to essentially come back to life after you die while you're fighting. Mm -hmm. I I think that's the thing that helped the most because... I always knew once I upgraded that, because I believe you have a, a total of four, um, meaning you could d- die up to four times um, but without actually going back to the beginning. Um, that helped me the most because I knew like, okay, like once I get to a certain point that I was fine because I could still keep coming back. Yeah, I, I, you know, I think that was certainly an ability that once I realized what it was going to do for me, I, I powered that one up quickly because it does... It does let you sort of, it it affords you the opportunity to, to get a bit of momentum and sort of figure out how things work. I think for me, what kind of, what, what made it all click for me was I, I did some digging and looking at some guides and just sort of, because uh, the game doesn't really explain what uh, a lot of the power-ups and items do. So every time you finish a room, you get a reward and then you're presented with, um, you know, anywhere from one to three doors 
that have an icon above it. You know, depending on which door you go through, what what the icon is, you get a different reward. You can get you can collect darkness, you can collect gems, money, health. Um, you can have an encon- encounter with a god, um, etc. I found I found a you know a sort of beginner's guide that was like, okay, this is how you want to prioritize your rewards until you get to a certain point. And then you just kind of want to focus on these fewer ones. So I was like, okay, well, you know, learning that, you know, until I get to a a certain point, like I should prioritize keys because those help me unlock all the, the permanent power ups in your bedroom. The hub world is essentially where it's like your, your dad's house. (laughs) Um, And um, you can't go in his room either. No, no. His room is, Um, his room is off limits. Uh, you know, and, and then knowing like what, what items are sort of, uh, less important, the further you get into the game, that sort of thing. So yeah, I, once I kind of, I was like, that was the missing piece for me. I wasn't sure how to use the things that I was being presented with. And then from there, figuring out how, um, the boons work, especially once you get into like duo boons and stuff like that, where, um, you know, if you've got, if you, if you have, X boons from Artemis and from Poseidon, their duo boon is sort of like a combination of their their two abilities. And all, all the gods can pair off and give you these sort of um, really you know, more powerful um, combinations of their abilities. It's a lot of systems at first, you know, certainly struggled with some things and certainly understand that you're how you were frustrated at the beginning. Uh, I'm glad my encouragement was that and was not just me kind of browbeating you into playing something you hated. <laughs> well, you know, you you did send me a link to something like, oh, hey, check this out. This really helped me. And I was like, okay, I'm going to watch this. And then the next day I was like, you know what? I'm not going to watch this because not that I was being defiant, but I was like, I want to go into this conversation and having a different perspective. Will the game work if I didn't have any help? And the only help I really had was from you. Mm-hmm. And you really, it's not like you were holding my hand. You didn't even go into the detail you just went in. You just pointed me in the direction of a couple of things. Because uh, early in the early goings, when you make it to like, like you said, there's four essentially levels to escape the underworld. And when you make it to that first boss, it just which isn't that hard to get to the first boss. But the first time you fight um, this character, uh, Meg, um, it's near impossible, like impossible. And then the second time, and then the third and the fourth, and I was like, okay, like I need a little little headway here. But then once you eventually beat them, it gets a little easier. Yeah. You may not beat him the second time, but then eventually you do beat them. And then, it's just almost effortless. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you almost you almost forget all that bullshit you went through to get to that point. So now when I play through the game, and I pretty much beat it every time, unless I add, um, there's this another complexity they add um, to the game once you uh, escape the first time where you can kind of give yourself a bunch of restrictions, but it gives you um, some other benefits in, in the long run. Um, and sometimes, like if I add too many of those, then I, I, it, you know, I don't escape. Sure. Um, but other than that, you you can pretty much escape every time once you get good enough. Yeah, and you know, uh, there is a degree of luck. Um, as I mentioned, you can sort of, you kind of game the system to to get the uh, opportunities to meet the gods you like, so you can get the boons you like. But even then, 
when you are presented with a, an opportunity to talk to a god, they give you, you know, three options for boons to pick from. Uh, later on, you can get the ability to sort of re-roll that. So you can, you know, hope for maybe the one you were wanted to get that wasn't there the first time or, or maybe uh, stronger versions of them. Even, as good as you get, there's always going to be that element of, of luck, good or bad, which, you know, makes it kind of fun. I even, um, you know, at this point, if I don't clear it, like I never get mad at the game. I was like, oh, I, you know, I could have maybe you know, stop being so stubborn and, and, and wanting it to go a certain way and embraced the, the, the power-ups I was given and, and really tried to make the best of the situation. A lot of times you're your own worst enemy, you know, once you've really kind of figured it out. There is a bit of button mashing into the fighting. I mean, obviously like, uh, certain combinations do certain things. Um, but there is a moment where, you know, you could be facing a ton of bad guys where you're just kind of, all right, I'm just hitting shit for a while. Um, there is a bit of strategy and sometimes like my patience gets the best of the strategy and then the button smashing just kind of supersedes all other desires in that moment, um, which is fine. I don't think that's really a detraction to the game. You know, um, it can get a bit laggy at times. I don't, I'm, have you experienced that? I, I, you know, when there's a lot of shit going on, sometimes it does get a little laggy. Yeah. Especially, um, you know, you mentioned that extra element of difficulty. Um, it's called the pact of punishment. And I've, I have noticed certainly as the, the heat, the heat level, that's how they sort of measures the difficulty as that gets higher. Uh, and you know, bad guys are coming at you in greater numbers in greater force. Um, yeah, the, the switch, can can get bogged down a bit um but i've never really noticed it to the point of it you know being unplayable no 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 never Uh, we we haven't talked about the style of the game um i mean you believe briefly alluded to at the beginning that that's a big thing um about um super giant games that all their games look pretty great but this does have a, a bit of an anime style uh it kind of feels like um ninja scroll um that kind of stylistic um aesthetic uh the way the characters are rendered uh, a lot of bright colors and each level is is like different kind of color coordinations yeah all the the character designs are really uh, you know again the, the power-ups you get from the gods are sort of thematically tied to um you know the element or or um emotion that they're known for um they're they're visually that way too they're they're all fairly color coded um to an extent that makes them easy to to just recognize oh like if you get a you know that green orb means that rms is going to be there but that that the they're they're sort of personalities and um superpowers are sort of reflected in their design as well you know it's i i think especially after the last big game to really sink its teeth in a greek mythology was like the god of war series and everything was just very like big burly dudes and, um, you know, sexy, scantily clad women. I mean, you know, it came from a, an era of video games where it's like, yeah, of course there's going to be a mini game where you fuck a harem to get some health back. Um, <laughs> um you know, and like, and, and you yeah. know, the, the latest iteration of that has gotten away from it, but it's still very like a more sort of realistic approach to the gods look like people, Less, you know, less than they do these sort of avatars for elements, which 
uh, is not necessarily the case here. And and it's much more playful than what you were just describing God, with Gods of War. Like, it, it's charming and funny, uh, and it leans into the soap opera element of the gods, which is, you know, uh, oftentimes when people hear Zeus and Poseidon, they think of, like, you know, superpowers, for lack of a better term, you know, shooting lightning out of the sky and controlling the seas. Um, and there is that small element to this. Obviously, they're giving you advantages for your when you're playing the game. Uh, but a lot of this is about people being catty mm-hmm. uh, and kind of backstabbing and lying to each other. And it's more interested in this family drama. There's always like interpersonal relationships between the gods and between Hades and Zeus and the, the rivalry there. Um, and, and obviously between Zagreus, who's the character you're playing and your father, Zeus, I mean, your father, Hades. Yeah. So, and, 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 and it keeps going and getting deeper and deeper. The more you play the game, you find out more and more about these secondary characters, um, where even like in the back half of the game where you learn that, um, um, you meet this character named Patroclus and you find out that he has a relationship with, um, Achilles. And he has a relationship with Achilles, but you don't really find this out until after you escape the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, and you almost have like, it's not a side quest, but um, you learn about them as you pass them in the game. And, and, you know, all of the sort of dynamics and stakes of these people's relationships are all sort of, you know, rooted in, you know, traditional Greek mythology and the Iliad. Um, yeah, I, I, um, I was looking at... Uh, the Hades subreddit because this game has, again, has a huge following is very memeable. Uh, but there is a, someone's letterboxed review for the movie. Troy, um, was going around recently. I don't know if you've encountered this outside no. of this, but, um, uh, you know, it was like a two star review and it said it, the review was, uh, I can, I can handle historical inaccuracy to a point, but I draw the line at, at Achilles being straight. <laughs> Um, which of course the, uh, the Hades subreddit love, but you know, it's all, it's all there, um, sort of in the, in the, the text that this draws from. This is also a super horny game. Like it seems like every character that you encounter other Mm -hmm. than like your, your, your father, um, wants to have sex with you. Yeah. I mean, you'd expect that from, you know, Dionysus and, uh, Aphrodite, but, uh, yeah, everybody's, everybody's super horny yeah and and, you know there's there's a great sibling dynamic too between zeus and poseidon and hades you know it's probably a little more comical and passive aggressive than uh you know you remember from uh you know learning about in school but uh there's a lot of gentle and um uh, deep ribbing from two of them and then just outright contempt from Hades. Were you a big fan of Greek mythology when, like, growing up, or? Yeah, I definitely went through a phase of you know really, really me too uh, watching Jason and the Argonauts and Clash of the Titans, yeah. and I still have um oh gosh, likely not the my original copy, but I've got a, a copy of uh, Edith Hamilton's mythology here somewhere that I I flip through every once in a while. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 a lot of fun. Those characters are really, you know, there's a reason why we're still um, drawing inspiration from that cast of characters, you know, thousands of years later. You had mentioned that you have like 
those characters that you gravitate towards Mm -hmm. um, in regards to boons. Yep. Um, So, so what are your favorite characters that, uh, and, and, and kind of abilities? Uh, I think, you know, if I had it my way, I would play through with Artemis and Poseidon every time. Um, Artemis has a lot of cool, like ranged abilities that she gives you. You have a, you have a, a base ability called cast, which is like you throw this like red. It's almost like a diamond. Like a diamond. Um, at enemies, it lodges in them. She will give you the ability so that when you throw it, it'll seek the nearest enemy. Um, she gives you an ability so that when they eventually fall out of an enemy, like they take extra damage. She has one power that lets it. So every time you do any attack at all, um, like a seeking arrow shoots out. Poseidon has a lot of, uh, it's called knockback. So kind of playing off of, you know, his, his ocean powers, you sort of like hit people with a wave and they get pushed backwards. Um, that can stack on top of, so they'll have ruptures. So after you knock them back, they continue to take damage. You can hit them harder, uh, if they, if you push them into a wall, but the way that his, his, their duo boon together is to have, their duo boon makes it so every time you use your cast ability, it shoots a second one. So if you have, say, you know, you keep getting bonuses so you can throw up to like six casts, it essentially gives you 12 projectile weapons. And then if you have the, the power up that lets an additional seeking arrow shoot out, no matter what kind of attack you do, you can just like, you know, it's just like a machine gun fire it especially for bosses it can be very very helpful throwing zeus in there can be fun um his his lightning attacks are are pretty can be pretty powerful they all sort of like bounce off and chain from one bad guy to another or uh you know your cast when that diamond thing falls out of an enemy like lightning will just hit the ground wherever you leave it until you pick it up um i'd say those are probably the big three um aphrodite is sort of Probably my least favorite, but, uh, you know, as I'm playing through um, Final Fantasy VI for a future episode, I'm realizing that uh, those more sort of passive, uh, strategic, less brute force kind of uh, magic abilities in games are not always my my go-to. So, I, you know, I think as I'm... I've sort of um, spent the last few weeks away from Hades... <laughs> probably for <laughs> for the better um but i think when i dive back into it i want to play around with some of the gods that i don't uh, seek out as often what about you do you have any favorites i mean not in particular because uh, i think like we talked about one thing that's fun about the game is trying new things so i there are moments where i'll i'll kind of like well why not i'll 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 try and use this character's uh boons this time around um in the later half of the game, I was kind of favoring uh, Demeter quite a few times, mm-hmm. where uh, the cast that you throw out, the diamond thing we were talking about, uh, is kind of like a laser. It just kind of like lays there and is a laser, and you could shoot out four of them, and there are other uh, boons that kind of make them seek out, like you said, the enemies, and so you just lay them all out there, and they're just destroying everything in their path. Um, I use Zeus a lot, too. I like Zeus, like you had mentioned. But for the most part, like, and even after, I think we had mentioned this, we had texted about this. Um, we had texted about our favorites and um, 
after that, I just started trying a bunch of different ones because that's kind of the fun of it. It's like saying like, well, maybe this will work this time or maybe sure. this will be different. But there are a lot, aside from the uh, uh, Olympian, uh, Olympian gods that give you the boons, there are a lot of other characters in the game that you encounter as you're making your way um, out of the underworld. Do you have any particular favorite characters that do you encounter throughout the game? Uh, I do like Skelly. Um, that that sort of that voice is just like is that type of voice is always funny to me. That sort of like uh, it's not quite like a Boston accent, but it's that that type of like <laughs> he, he, he or he kind of talks like a like an old like '30s character. He's like, "Hey, how you doing, boyo?" Like that kind of thing. He is a, a a skeleton who, in like the room where you pick your weapon, you get to just try out all the moves on him. Um, and, you know, because he's already dead, it doesn't bother him that much. Uh, I do really enjoy how shitty uh, <laughs> um, Theseus is. Um, <laughs> I think because everybody is sort of, uh, there's really no bad guys. You know, there's no no real villain in this game. Um, you could argue that Hades is the big bad. But even then, um, you know... One, as you know, like all the characters, as you sort of get to know them and sort of peel back the layers, there's more to them than just this big kind of like brutish, uh, bureaucratic um, douchebag. Um, but Theseus is just like, just he's just so pretentious and cocky and the worst. Um, he's he's, he's, he's one of the bosses. To, yeah, yeah. There's an element of this game of people just doing their jobs and also. You know, with the repetition of dying all the time, there's also this sort of subtext of just like, that's what we are doing every day, (laughs) you know, because part of the reason Zagreus is trying to escape is because his dad was dissatisfied with his work ethic, Um, which is sort of, it's kind of funny, but like Mm -hmm. once you kind of start seeing how bureaucratic the underworld is and realize that when you're meeting these people, during your escape attempts that they're just kind of like, Hey, this is what I'm doing. This is my job. I'm sorry that I have to kill you right now, but that's just part of my job. Um, so, and it kind of, it's, it's, it's kind of funny after a while, especially as it, as the game keeps progressing. Um, I'm really big into, um, Caron, which is the, I guess you, you know, you meet him in the, throughout the, your escape attempts in the underworld and he gives you, you could purchase items from him. But he basically just, uh, all he ever says is basically, um, I dig him and uh, to Tiffany, who's basically just always just saying, murder. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I tend to gravitate towards the characters that don't speak that much. And I really like the Bone Hydra. Yep. Yep. <laughs> uh, which is this giant skeleton kind of demon monster thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Hypnos is fun too. Yeah, I, I do enjoy Hypnos because he's so naive and uh usually sleeping uh and so optimistic even when people are like you can't just keep falling asleep all the time like you got work to do and he's like well what are you gonna do and one aspect of the game is once you get um uh, there are certain kind of things that you find as you're escaping and that you could use to purchase uh essentially different decor for the underworld and, and eventually you can buy hypnos uh, a couch to lay on <laughs> and he's just laying down on the couch every time you see him. He's kind of like falling asleep at work, and it's a it's it's a pretty consistent gag. Um, obviously, there is um, within this game with all these different things to do. There's also a Cerebus petting simulator, 
Uh, you could walk up to Cerebus, the three-headed dog, hit a button, and he'll you'll pet Cerebus, and that's always satisfying. <laughs> yeah, and there's a dating sim. There are three characters you can become romantically involved with by uh, talking to them and uh, giving them ambrosia and nectar. And and oftentimes when you give them nectar, that's kind of like, in a way, upgrading with that character so they give you better boons. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you learn more about their stories. There's also the inspiration for Thanos um, in this game. He's Thanatos, who is the, uh, the Greek god of death. A lot of cool Greek mythology that are that's in here. And it is sort of a good, you know, it's exciting to think that some younger kids may pick this up and kind of get into Greek mythology. <laughs> yeah, sure. And, you know, it is infinitely playable as well. Um, even, you know, we mentioned earlier that once you escape 10 times, you roll credits. Um, well, we, we've talked about the game in, um, um, in detail. From here on out, we're going to spoil some, some pretty big stuff. We're going to spoil the ending. So if you're... If you if you've you've been listening along and it this sounds interesting and you want to go in cold then you know maybe now's the time to turn it off go put in a good thirty plus hours and then come back and finish finish the podcast um, we'll 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 wait here we're gonna wait here for thirty mm-hmm. hours yeah we're not going anywhere we'll put that we'll put that in we're gonna put that into the podcast <laughs> so there'll be a big you can just leave it playing in the background while you're playing the game. But but if you don't beat it in that 30 hours and forget it, all bets are off. Um, yeah, and you know, we're gonna kind of really go high level here and just kind of like address some of the the, the narrative beats and broad strokes. Um, so the first time you escape Hades, you, um, you get to the surface, you get to Greece. Um, you meet Persephone, who it turns out is your actual mother, who was married to Hades. Um, there's a lot of complicated uh, backstory there um, that is uh, delivered out in, more uh, eloquently in the game. So we'll just leave it at that. But that doesn't mean that you've won. Uh, you die uh, for no reason. You just your body just sort of succumbs and you get dragged back down to the underworld. So to roll credits on the game, you have to clear it ten times. So you have to get to Hades and then fight him ten times. Actually, only nine because. Um, I don't know if I know for me personally, that 10th time I got to him, I was like, I limped through that last door. Like I knew like, I'm like, he's going to kill me right away. There's no way I'm going to, I'm going to do this. And I knew that 10 was the lucky number. And that 10th time he's just like, fuck it. You know what? Just go. And he just lets you walk through. Um, and it was yeah. such, such a, like a, it felt like such an earned moment for me. Like, you know, I was Zagreus. I was, you know, barely hanging on at that point. Um, and then, you know, then you go through, you you talk to Persephone and she agrees to go back to the underworld with you and you take the, the boat. Um, and then credits roll and you think, well, I know there's a lot more stuff for me to do. How am I going to justify it? It seems like Hades has sort of just thrown up his hands about it all. Uh, and then he gives you a new job to continue trying to escape as a means of him to sort of test his security system and, and point out any flaws and weaknesses. So, uh, uh, you know, the family's all back together and there is a convenient yet another convenient narrative excuse for you to continue to do this over and over and over and over and over again. They use this excuse of like, well, we need to keep all of this a secret from the gods on Olympus. They can't know about this because there's a lot of backhanded stuff in, in, a lot of political stuff 
between Hades and Zeus that we probably won't get into on here. But um, so they're say keep it a secret. So as you're going forward, they all still think you're just trying to escape like normal. So that kind of keeps the narrative running the way it was before as well, where Zeus shows up and he's like, oh, I'm here to help you, nephew, um, which I thought was was pretty clever. And we didn't get into this at all. But do you do you know how many uh, attempts it took you until you escaped the first time? Yeah, I think it was in like 39, okay. 38 yeah, or that, so. It was pretty sounds, high for that me. That sounds about the same. Yeah. I asked my brother and he's like, I don't know, 20. I was like, what? <laughs> um, but, you know, he's he's good mm-hmm. at video games. Um, so I'll give him that. But I will say after I had escaped that first time, um, I was aware, I was made aware of, I think from you, that I needed to escape 10 times in total in order to roll credits. Uh, and I stopped looking at the that number and I just kind of lost track because I was like, when it happens, I, I kind of want to be surprised instead of, you know, knowing. And it's January 6th and shit is happening. The insurrectionists are storming the Capitol and I'm just doom scrolling on Twitter and just in the thick of things, I'm like, I just need a distraction. I just need to step away from this. I can't, like, I don't know what's going to happen. And I just need a, a breather. And we had some kind of news on in the background. And I played Hades. I was like, all right, this is a good distraction. Because it's it, there is an element of it that's mindless. Like I said before, like, there's a kind of bu- button mashing kind of aspect to it. And I get to Hades. I'm like, all right, this is it. I'm going to beat him. I'm going to beat him. And then he's just like, all right, go ahead. You can go. And it just felt so strange mm-hmm. in that moment. As I'm traveling down the River Six sticks in this uh, version of the essentially the theme song for the for the whole game is playing with um, like vocals on top of it, uh, and and all this other shit is happening in the background, and I was just like I felt like beside myself, and it, it was just really strange, and then to have it all culminate in like you can keep playing the game and you're going to keep escaping and this just never ends. This never ends. And I was just like, I need to stop. I need to put the game down right now. (laughs) It was really strange. It was just one of those, I'll never forget finishing this game because of that. Unfortunately, it's always going to be connected to this shitty fucking moment in time. As much as I enjoyed the game, I'll still always be like, oh yeah, that. Well, I mean, to pivot to some to a positive here, um, you mentioned that um, that new version of the theme song, which uh, the vocals are provided by Orpheus and uh, Eurysides. You're, did I say your name right? You know, I was never entirely yeah. sure, but we'll, we'll yeah, I that. think that's about um, it. Who are two of the side characters? Eurydice. <laughs> two of the side characters who you continue to uh, <laughs> encounter, and, and much like... Um, uh, Patroclus and Achilles, they, they have a romance that you sort of uh, are trying to um, uh, bring them back together. Uh, but yes, the music in this game is really, really good. And uh, early on when you were frustrated with it, I was texting you. I'm like, yeah, well, the music's great. And you said, I'll be the judge of that. <laughs> <laughs> what an asshole. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Uh, no, it is. It's 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 really fun. It's cool. It kind of reminds me of, of um, a bit of this band called 
earth. Uh, they're like this really slow metal kind of thing, like these kind of slower dirges. The pace does pick up on a lot of the music in this, uh, especially as like tensions mount, mm-hmm. as the action increases, the music kind of changes along with it. But there is this big theme uh, that you know you hear when you start the game, and that's kind of the theme of the game. And you hear it when you're fighting Hades, and there's a lot of like crunchy metal riffs and all that kind of stuff over these big bombastic drums, and it's pretty fun, and, and it's it's perfect tonally for what's happening in the game and there's also this element of it uh because i find a lot of metal like i like a lot of metal but i find a lot of it a bit too self-serious um but this game in a lot of ways is so tongue-in-cheek that i felt like they're sort of in on that joke with the metal the heavy metal music of just kind of like yeah we know we know but we know that this is appropriate and that you're gonna love this yeah i think this game this game really does um you know, it really embraces camp and cheese in a lot of ways. The composer who did all the music, um, Darren Korb, also does the voice of Zagreus and uh, I think some other characters. But he describes the the music as Mediterranean prog rock Halloween. All right. Uh, and I definitely yeah. listen to um, the soundtrack quite a bit. Outside of the game? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. When I was, you know, when I would run to the grocery store or something, I would, I would listen to it in the car. <laughs> Way to get you um, amped as you're going in to get some, like, baby food or formula or whatnot and you're just like get out of my way i'm gonna escape this hellhole yeah, in the I supermarket mean, you know each well i mean every trip to a store was a, a, a bit of life and death so why not yeah and they're, they're uh even like the the sound design like there's one there's one thing that kills me every time um it's because it's so out of place and so hilarious but there's a fishing mini game because of course there is i'm so bad at it yeah, me too. I, I actually, I just did the the fishing prophecy that Poseidon gives you. Like, I managed to cross that off, and like, I'm never gonna fish again. I don't need to. But if you, if you, so like, it's like a time thing. Like you have to wait for the right animation to press the button to catch the fish. And if you're too early or too late, it makes this hilarious. Like, it's not a boing. It's kind of springy. I can't quite describe the sound, but it it is so just unlike anything else in the game and sticks out and it's so goofy it, it just it makes my day every time i come across it <laughs> it's so <laughs> stupid um but that's kind of like what you're talking about they really like they know where they're at and what they're doing and yeah just the sort of top to tail the real like control of every element of the game and it's so yeah it's just I don't know. It, it, the whole thing was so refreshing, and I didn't know that I was going to love it the way I did. Certainly did not expect to put 100 hours into it um, in a handful <laughs> of months. Um, yeah, it, it was just, uh, you know, I think you sort of hinted at it. It sort of came at the right time and um, was sort of the right game for the moment, maybe. Yeah, I, I had a I had a blast with this, and I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad that you fought through, got over that hump, and... and and were as taken by it as well. You know, if you've been listening along to the podcast, you probably assumed correctly that I was maybe a bit judgy <laughs> going into it. Uh, a part of that was, uh, you know, being a bit tongue in cheek because uh, I believe when I purchased it, I sent a message to you and my brother. Yeah, and we both flipped out. Yeah, and you both like freaked out saying about time, and I was like, well, whatever. 
<laughs> which just felt like the appropriate thing to say in that moment. I'm just like, if uh, this isn't, if I don't enjoy this, I think you both owe me the $25 or something along those lines. Uh, yeah. Uh, so I, I think I was playing a part at that point, but I did like, I was pretty frustrated from the get from the beginning, but once it, it did work for me, it really, really worked for me. And I've talked about on the show how I, because I don't play a lot of games, I value games that I can kind of pick up, play a little bit, and then kind of put it down. Um, and then uh, like not have to get too, too invested in the game. Uh, and this game, like once you get into that rhythm of it, really like a run is probably like a good half hour or so. Yeah. And obviously you can put a little more time if you want, but it was nice to be able to say like, oh, I know how much time I'm going to allot to this. So, um, and I, I like games like that. For sure. Uh, we, we had mentioned the packs of punishment earlier. One of them is you have nine minutes to finish each each of the four areas. So any oh, any wow. time carries over. Um, but then it, it tells you like at the end. So like, you know, you can you can st- if you if you finish a, a zone with like four minutes left then you start the next one with 13. Uh, I think I cl- my fastest was under 20 minutes. I think I managed to do it all in like. 18, 18 minutes sounds way too fast. I'm pretty sure you texted me when you did it. You were like, 18 minutes, run completed. Yeah. Um, <laughs> There's a lot of kind of uh, us just resorting to kind of uh, maybe stereotypical kind of like tough guy talk when it came to this game. Mm-hmm. Urgh, Hades, we're going to play. Hey, we're beating Hades 20 minutes. Urgh, this music rocks. Urgh. And you know, and there's a pissing contest element too. Like, sure, a bit of a bit of one-upsmanship. And uh, I, I had mentioned the Hades subreddit, and a very frequent post uh, is somebody's um, you know first time clearing. And like when you when you escape, it'll show bring up a screen and show a bunch of your boons and stuff. Um, so people will post that, and you get to scope out like, oh, how many lives do they have left? How much health do they have left? How quickly do they do it? But uh, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's just it's 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 fun. It's fun to play a game where it is about that. Like this, there's not like a score necessarily, but there are those um, those benchmarks and and kind of like those goals you can look for. Um, you know, it's I play mostly games that are maybe more narrative based, aren't necessarily about like you know that old school uh, high score kind of thing, but. Uh, you know, chasing that is kind of fun, and I forgot that. And I and and like I've said before, none of those things are mandatory for the game itself or for you to enjoy it. You can decide to put in all that extra time and effort in order to unlock every last thing, or talk to every last guy, or try every last boon, or everything. But you really don't have to. You can kind of ignore a lot of that stuff if you really wanted to, and just focus on a couple of things. And I think eventually you'll get through it as long as you're kind of upgrading your primary upgrade things, I think may take a little bit longer if you're not like really invested in it the same way, but you could still probably enjoy it without having to, to do any of the extra stuff on top of it. Right. Yeah. There's a lot there to ignore. If all you want to do is just play a very sort of twitchy, repetitive game and, you know, kind of like really master that, uh, the story, the side characters, you know the the romance sim with uh, the three characters Dusa, Meg, and Thanatos, um, who you can forge these uh, romantic relationships with. All the prophecies, yeah. There's like you said, there's just there 
there's really a bunch of different stuff for all different types of gamers. So it's, uh, you know, I can understand why it's gotten all the uh, end of year praise that it did. I agree. You win this round. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I'm still making up for the, <laughs> the blunder of <laughs> Metal Gear Solid. <laughs> I can't even know. I can't even like say that I liked the game because I didn't really get to play it right, enough. Right. Although I believe when I did play it, I was probably also like, I think you were frustrated that I wasn't better at it. <laughs> you were just kind of like, why are you bad at video games? We didn't play very long, mind you, but uh, I'm not good at those type of games in general. Yeah, and, and that first one uh, hasn't aged great. Yeah, it's a bit clunky. Yeah. Um, so, um, you know, having, having you know, uh, fought your way through, through hell and back, what would you recommend uh going forward for someone who liked hades you had actually mentioned it earlier in the episode but um i really wanted to recommend um clash of the titans and uh jason and the argonauts or two movies that i have a lot of affection for that uh, clash of the titans in particular i was obsessed with when i was a kid and i rewatched it uh relatively recently and it's just still so charming and and it feels so i love the handmade quality of the Ray Harryhausen effects in both of them. And like there is way there are ways that the stop motion creatures move in Clash of the Titans that are just burned into my brain, like Medusa's head and um and and obviously the famous line release the Kraken. Mm-hmm. Um it's all uh it's so it's so fun and light and it's a great like action adventure movie. And I think it's a good kind of starter adventure, slightly adult movie for kids. Nice. What about you? Uh, so I've got two. Um, I've got a game and a movie. Uh, for the game, I think I mentioned this at some point. Who knows when? But uh, it's a game called Ape Out. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's a uh, it's a small indie game. It's about escaping. You play as uh, a gorilla who is escaping a sort of like research facility. Um, it's all top down. It's very simple gameplay. You can punch, you can push, and you can grab guys. They have guns. You can sort of turn them around on their uh, on their peers, um, but it's got this really cool, um, almost like a Saul Bass kind of um, aesthetic to it. And the music is this sort of like uh, you know, quote unquote, improvised jazz percussion. So as as you do more carnage, like every punch and attack like is a, a like a cymbal crash or like a like a, a drum beat and it, it, it builds in a really cool way that really uh kind of gets your adrenaline going yeah it's a lot of fun it's very simple there are no like systems like hades has um it's broken up into um different records so i think there's like four lps and each each record is like a different theme there's like a different type of facility you're escaping from uh the other uh and the movie i want to recommend um uh, I, I rewatched recently and realized there are a lot of funny similarities to Hades, uh, but catch me if you can. <laughs> both are about, uh, yeah. Oh yeah. Both are about, uh, protagonists with daddy issues, uh, running from something, assuming the, uh, qualities of different people to help them achieve their goals. Uh, and ultimately both are, uh, you know, kind of get caught uh, and then recruited by those people to uh, mm-hmm. to help them 
uh, wow. prevent others from exploiting the system the way they have. So very, very clever, Tony. Very clever. Thank you. I've been sitting on that for a couple of weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so when you watched the movie, because you had texted me saying like, hey, I rewatched this movie and it, I loved it. Um, uh, and we had texted back and forth about it. Is that when you thought about it while you were watching it? Uh, it was probably not until like the day after I texted you that. And just knowing uh -huh. we were going to be doing this soon. I was like, oh my gosh, that was <laughs> a lot of <laughs> odd similarities there. So uh, yeah. Yeah. Great, great uh, Leonardo DiCaprio uh, performance. Mm -hmm. And Hanks, obviously. Yeah. Hanks is great in it, too. Cool. Nice. What are we talking about next time? Oh, man. Uh, next time, we're going to be talking about Usagi Yojimbo. This is like, I don't know, oh, like 30 years in the making. Yeah. I, I think, <laughs> in a way. You know, I, I can't be positive. I think this character might be older than I am. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, he did. He was created kind of what early eighties, right? Mid, I mean, because he's old enough to have shown up on the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles cartoon. Yeah, that was on, mm -hmm. and that's how that's how 80s. I knew about yeah. him too. Yeah, and I, you know, we'll get into it more in the episode, but I've always been fascinated by him, but for some odd reason or another, I've never read any Yusagi Yojimbo comics. Um, and so we and we decided now's the time. Yeah, yeah. One of one of a, a handful of dark horse properties that sort of are are very recognizable to anyone who is sort of was paying attention to comics in the nineties and early two thousands. Uh yeah. Uh there's a couple of them like that. Concrete is another one. Um Yeah. Obviously Sin City is a big one. Mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah, looking forward to it. Like 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 you said, this is you know, I think every time uh, I'd see his face pop up in a an issue of Wizard, I'm like, oh, I gotta read that. Oh shit, there's like hundreds of them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Very exciting. Um, we're reading. Um, it's kind of complicated the way they're released, but the volume we have is called Volume One, but it's technically Volume Two and Three. So it's like an it's like a big collection. But it collects the Mirage issues. And Mirage, if people are unfamiliar, is the same company that put out um, the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles black and white comic. Uh, and then it's the first, um, I think, six or so issues from when it switched to Dark Horse Comics. Yeah. You can buy them digitally. Um, that's probably the easiest. They're kind of expensive in collected formats, but there are new collections coming out soon. Um in case anyone's interested um, in uh, reading along. Yeah, yeah. Those Dark Horse ones that, you know, the, the volume we're talking about, uh, I think we're only spending so much time here because we did make a point 50th episode show to talk about how much we like kind of following along with, with our podcasts. Um, yeah, I think, they're, I think they're sort of going back into reprints with those. Uh, the character has moved to a bunch of different publishers over the years, so... Uh, I think all that stuff gets kind of tricky when things go out of print or or when uh, when they don't necessarily live at the same studio anymore. But uh, yeah, ebooks the way to go. Um, it seems like they're all available there. I got it from my library. So oh, cool. I will say that while we'll obviously get into story stuff and plot stuff um, in the episode, I think the way it's written is as if you could probably jump in at any point in time. So I think if 
if you were just interested in Yusagi Ojimbo, reading any Yusagi Ojimbo would probably be sufficient for listening, uh, if that's something you were interested in. Yeah, like uh, Grass Cutter apparently is the one, like the big one of the big ones, uh, and that's that's not a story in the collection we read, but um, you know I think that one gets a lot of buzz. So if you want to just dive right into the best go for it we're going to be talking about the character as a whole and uh, stan sakai's artwork in general so cool yeah yeah i'm really looking forward to it me too great i'll see you then we're on a run of a lot of good stuff yeah and then we're gonna we're just gonna do shit for two months two whole months of just garbage oh, just literally yeah just shoveling garbage pale kids the movie yeah i'm just gonna like run a length of hose from my butt to my mouth and just fill it <laughs> okay bye all right bye thanks for listening to another episode of what did we miss you can follow us on twitter and instagram and facebook at what did we miss and you can send us an email at what did we miss pod at gmail.com and thanks as always to the what's your writers club in downtown providence rhode island you can learn more about them at whatcheerclub.org and you can follow them on twitter and instagram at whatcheerclub 